This morning, we're back in Isaiah chapter 49, as we were last week, as we continue the series, God Knows. And today, we talk about pain. God knows your pain. Now, I want to tell you, I was troubled this week that many of you very cold-heartedly seem to delight in my pain <laughs> after having been at Dallas this week and watching my team lose, that that gave you such joy. So maybe we need to change the sermon focus this morning. Uh, on a side note, it has nothing to do with the message. I had a chance last week. I was in Dallas. So if you saw on Facebook, <coughs> what do you do when you're in Texas? Well, we went to a football game. I saw um, Longhorn Steer, and I shot a gun. And uh, I figured that was a Texas trifecta. My brother took me um, and some of his friends uh, took me um, skeet shooting, clay pigeons. I had never, I'd fired a a rifle one time in my life. So I I did a hundred, we did ten rounds of ten shots. And this is what I learned, that if you are an animal on the face of this earth, the safest place for you to be is in the crosshairs of a gun I'm trying to point at you. (laughs) Because I can't hit anything. Um, I donated a lot of shells to the hills in the woods in Texas. So, um, but it was a fun. I, I actually, I hit a few, but very, very few. So, uh, but it was a good time. So I, in all seriousness, um, some of you asked how the trip was. And, and in spite of the, the fact that my team didn't win and they showed humility and sacrifice um, willingly, it was, it was a good time. Now, turning and kind of getting serious for a moment, we go back to Isaiah chapter 49. I want to read the words again of this um, prayer, really. This, this cry, these words to God as, as we read them in verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he spoke my name. That was our focus last week, that God knows your name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me like a polished arrow, concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, and hear this, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Now hear the prayerful response, because here's our focus today. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand. My reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring back Jacob to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and he has been my strength. He says it is not too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back those of Israel who I have kept. I will also make you a light for the nations that the salvation, my salvation may reach the end of the earth. This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servants of rulers, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see you and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. And again, hear the prayer in verse 3 or verse 4. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all, as that is our focus this morning. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, help us to hear. 
to, to listen, to, to be open to the word of your spirit as it speaks into our lives and shapes us into the followers of Christ that you have called us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When um, I started the week, preparing for the week, this, this sermon was going um, to be very different. It was in my mind as I'd kind of laid out these four weeks and, and saw that this, this sermon today fell on the Sunday after Halloween, which in the church is very often recognized as um, All Saints Day or All Saints Sunday. That technically is the, the day after Halloween, Halloween on the 31st, All Saints Day on the 1st. But on the first Sunday, the church often commemorates and remembers uh, those who have passed those saints who have gone on to glory, which is why tonight uh, we have a, a night to remember, and some of you that will be there and a part of that, where we light candles and we, we celebrate the memory of those whom we have lost. And that seemed to tie in very well with talking about the reality of pain. Because even in Christ, even those who we know go on to, to glory in Christ, um, it's hard when we lose those we love. That's, that's pain. That is a painful um, situation for us, and, and that brings heartbreak and tears. And, and we know that there are a lot of those kind of experiences in life where we are really the, the victim, if you will, and that's a strong word, but, but we suffer the pain of the randomness of life, of loss, of, of disappointment, of, of deteriorating health, um, and, and we suffer in those places. And we seek God's presence to speak into those as God does. And God who, who nurtures and loves and comforts us in those places of hurt. And that was where this sermon was going to go. That's where I thought this would lead us this morning. That kind of pain. Um, the problem was that's not what the Scripture is really talking about. See, that's always a problem when I have an idea what God wants me to say and God reminds me, yeah, my Scripture is kind of your foundation, so why don't you let that inform what you're going to say? And um, sometimes that's not what I want to talk about. But, but that's not the kind of pain the Scripture's talking about. The, the kind of pain that the prophet is lamenting in that verse that I read, again, verse 4, in which, in which he says, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. That's the kind of pain that we sometimes experience in life, the kind of suffering we sometimes experience in life that we choose. The kind of pain that we choose. Now, isn't that a strange concept? Because who of us, if I said... We're going to have a sign-up sheet for those who want to suffer and experience pain are going to say, oh, put me down. I want to be number one on that list. No. But, but let's, let's go a little deeper with that this morning. You know, there's a truth in fitness, in health. Um, and those who, who train, whether they be... Um, distance runners or, or weightlifters. And there's an old adage that says, no pain, no gain. Yeah, you've heard that. And, and you know, there's, there's debate among, you know, fitness people how, how true that is and, and how much you should 
experience that pain. But, but the reality is, if you've ever trained physically for anything, a race, or you've lifted, you know that in order to, to get better, in order to advance, in order to, for your body to become healthier, your, your muscles to become stronger, your, your distance to, beco- to go further, you have to voluntarily get into a place of, of discomfort. You have, to, you have to push yourself physically into a place where it, where it hurts, where it's, where it's hard. I mean, uh, again, that's, if, if it wasn't, everybody would do it. I mean, it's just that, that's why so many of us struggle with consistency in, in exercise routines because when we're doing it right, um, it's not easy. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. Um, it, in fact, you know, one of the principles of, of weightlifting is that when you, when you lift weights, you're really tearing down your muscles. That's what you're doing. You're tearing them. And that's why it hurts for a couple days afterward. You tear them down so that your body will build them stronger. And so it's a, it's a pain and a discomfort and a, and a stepping out of the, 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 the comfort zones, if you will, that, that we choose. Nobody, fortunately in this country, when I see runners outside, I don't see anybody you know, with a gun to them forcing them to do it. They're choosing to do it, to get better. When I go to the gym, nobody's forced to be there. There might be doctors who are strongly encouraging it, but we choose to do it in order to become better. It's a pain that we choose. Well, that is a very strange connection, and I admit it's a strange connection. But there's some underlying truth to the reality that some of the pain that we experience in life as Christians, some of the, the pain that we experience, the suffering that we experience, we choose. We choose it. And it's not punishment. It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. I want to read to you from Romans 8, Paul's words about suffering. He says in verse 15, he said, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, brought you about brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, we often think about those sufferings and we think about the kind of suffering that I kind of led with, the stuff that we don't choose, that we have no say in, that sometimes we experience because of the difficulties of of living and being humans. But what Paul's talking about is he's writing to a church. And he's writing to a church and to a people that have willingly stepped into suffering. You say, well, why would they do that? Well, Really, they would do that because they desire to be faithful and obedient to Jesus. They haven't sought out suffering. They're not asking for it. But what the church is experiencing, Paul is writing to, is persecution. They're being persecuted because they consider that it is more important to live a moment with Christ than it is to live a lifetime without Him. 
And so when the persecution comes and the outside forces come and begin to, to seek their renouncing of their faith, they refuse. They, they decide we would rather step into suffering with Jesus than to live comfortable without Him. They're choosing to suffer in faithfulness. You know, today is not just All Saints Sunday. There's another significance about today. Lenore Stewart reminds me this every year. She gives me a note. In fact, before she left town a few weeks ago, she gave me a note. She said, Chris, don't forget that November 2nd is International Day of Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. That matters. That's very, very important to her, as it should be to all of us. But here's the interesting thing about being persecuted church or being a persecuted Christian. Most of the time, you can make it stop. Those believers in Iraq who are being rounded up and executed for their faith, they could have made it stop. You know how you make it stop? You renounce Jesus. Uh, okay, no more, no more. Done with Jesus. Whatever you want me to believe, I'll believe. That'll save my life. And yet, over and over, through not just modern history, through the history of the church and the early church, we read the stories of men and women who would renounce Jesus, even to the point of death. Because the suffering they experienced in faithfulness paled in comparison to the glory they knew they would receive in Christ. That was the way of Jesus. Jesus, who suffered. Isaiah the prophet would say, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, but we considered him smitten, afflicted, cursed by God. It was the price Jesus paid, was willing to pay for faithfulness. And we're called into the way of Christ. We're called to be like Jesus means to step into the places of injustice, to give ourselves in ministry, to sacrifice our desires for the the desires of others, to, to love even the unlovable, to stand up for Jesus even if that would ever lead us to a place of persecution. We're lucky. We don't. We might get criticized. We might have you know, government regulations that we feel are coming down on our faith, and I'm, I'm not downplaying that. But I don't know anybody in my life that's ever had to choose Jesus or life. But so many do. But that doesn't minimize the fact that sometimes we're called to step into places that can be painful for us in order to be obedient. We're called to step into places that may be unpopular with our neighbors to stand up for the needy or the hurting or the broken. We're we're called to give ourselves in selfless sacrifice, as is the way of Jesus, even though it may bring difficulties upon us. Why do we do that? Why would we go there? Well, because Jesus says, The sufferings, the difficulties, they pale in comparison to the glory that I have in store for you. I mean, how is it that people can be so willing to sacrifice their lives for Jesus, but that they know there are greater things yet to come? And they know that we are called into a relationship with a Jesus who knows that suffering, who knows that pain, who knows that heartbreak, and has overcome it and given us hope and promise even in the midst of it. 
And so sometimes our challenge is to, you know, to, to let go of the, the fallacy that somehow God's greatest desire is our comfort. Because it's not. God's greatest desire is our faithfulness. Is our faithfulness and our obedience and our willingness to be the vessels of His peace and His grace and His love into whatever place that He would call us. And sometimes that means we choose places of pain. Not that we want it to go that way, but that we're willing to step into the uncomfortable places because it is faithful. It's obedient. There, there was a, a story that moved me many years ago. It was a documentary that came out in 1989 called Weapons of the Spirit. I saw it when I was in seminary. It was about this French village called um, Les Chambons. And, uh, you know, pardon the pronunciation if you know French. It's hopefully close enough. But in World War II, this Protestant Christian French village that was under no threat from the Gestapo, was under no threat from the Nazis, decided that they were going to be a safe haven, a protector for the Jews that were fleeing out of Germany and and were starting to be persecuted in France. So they would hide the the Jewish people that would come into the village. They'd hire hide them in homes. I mean, you've seen the stories. You know some of these kinds of stories. They'd hide them wherever they could. They would get false papers, so they'd get rations, rations. They would help move them out of the country and into Switzerland where they would be safe. They put their lives on the line, and in the course of the years of World War II, they saved between 3,000 and 5,000 Jews from concentration camps. But here's the kicker. Some of them were sent to concentration camps. Some of the villagers who protected the other died in concentration camps. Why would you do that? Because they believed Jesus at his word. And they believed that their call, even at the sacrifice of their well-being, was to care and to love and to stand up for the persecuted and the broken and the marginalized and the suffering, even at the sacrifice of their well-being because they believed Jesus had something better in store. Sometimes our faith calls us into uncomfortable places. Those are the extreme stories. I know they are. That's not our call, probably. But I just want to challenge you that, that God knows the call He's placed in our lives. And God knows that sometimes that call is going to lead us into uncomfortable places. God knows that pain because Jesus walked it. Jesus lived it, but he calls us to the faithfulness of it. And, and maybe the only thing you need to hear is don't buy into this idea that following Christ is always comfortable and, and easy because that's not following Christ. It's not. Sometimes that's the reality, but, but that wasn't the way of Jesus, nor is it the way of those who would follow Jesus. Are we willing to kind of go to the places and step into those places Jesus would lead? Are we willing to be who he's called us to be, even in those places that push us beyond our comfort zones. I want to leave you, or close this morning, I should say, with this prayer. From, um, it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. If you go over to uh, 
St. Francis across the street in their prayer garden that they have. This prayer is on one of the, the monuments they have there. But I think it's a good way to frame our close here this morning. Here's the prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. And here's the game. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Isaiah or the prophet in Isaiah, cries out to God because he says, I've been faithful. I've chosen faithfulness. And yet it feels like I have labored in vain. Labored in vain. But then he says, and remember those next words he follows up with, but my reward is in my God. My reward is in my God. Brothers and sisters, that we would hold fast to the reward Christ has for us that has not yet been fully received. And we'd hold fast to a faith that says it is better to live a moment with Christ than a lifetime without. And may that lead us into the places of faithfulness and the places of service and the places of love. Let us pray. Gracious God, it is not easy to follow you. It's not. You tell us it's not. The way is narrow. It's hard. And it's blessed. And it's eternal and it makes a difference. Help us to follow Jesus, to make a difference wherever you would lead us. Because we know you know. You've been there. You know our pain. You know our struggles. You know our difficulties. And you are with us every step of the way. And may that give us courage and hope and strength. We pray in Jesus.